God put this series on my heart uh, over several months ago about closing the gap, about closing the gap. Wherever you're at in your life, whether it's health, finances, relationships, the anointing of God on your life, ministry, breakthrough, business, whatever it is, that we, we did a thing where we did a wheel and we just kind of put these top things out here, outcomes that we want with these major categories in our lives. And then we began to do what? Close the gap. If you just went from one to 10, what they are, here's the wheel of life. We handed it out several weeks, been working on it. And whenever you want to get from a, a like a, a two in your life in the center of the wheel on one of those lines, and you want to get to a 10 out there, what do you got to do, man? You got to close the gap. And we've been teaching you about that and how to close your gap and been giving you uh, how to raise your standard, how to, how, to, how to close the gap, what? To find out what you really, really want. Now, I gave you a few scriptures that you can stand on and believe. Number one, we got to first decide what we believe, don't we? Three essential beliefs that we got to decide, Philippians 4, 13. What? I can do what? I can do what? Through who? Christ who strengthens me, right? Anybody remember those three beliefs? You need to shout out the first one. One, two, three. Number one, what's the first belief? That's right. This must change now. You're not gonna get you're not gonna activate your faith on a should, a could, or a would. You can only activate your faith when it becomes a must and you focus it. Remember, where my focus goes, my energy flows. Where my focus goes, my energy flows. So if I want my faith to flow in a direction of something, and I want great faith to operate in my body, in my mind, in my family, in my career, whatever it is, if I want great faith, then I got to focus on that area, and I got to release the faith that God put in me through his word, and I got to change it and make that my belief, and I got to release it to those things that are not as though they are, right? So wherever my focus goes, right, that's where my energy flows. Whether it's physical health, whether it's your mental, your peace, your joy, whether it's finances, whatever it is. And then what's the second belief? On the count of three, say what the second belief is. One, two, three. I must change this now. I must change this now. See, first thing we got to decide where we're going to focus at. This must change now. Secondly, we got to change. You see, true transformation comes from within. What's happening inside you is greater than what's happening to you or around you. Greater is he who is in me than he who's in this world. And as children of God, as Christians, you have an unfair advantage over the world. You have the anointing, the power of the Holy Spirit living in you, able to do for you what you cannot do for yourself. And as you begin to get that must in your life, that I must change this now. When you realize what must change and then you, be, you be decide what your role is in that, then God's ready to use you to bring great change. What's the third belief? Give it to me on the count of three. One, two, three. I can change What? I can So I can change this now. We're not like, well, Lord, I wish this had changed. Well, Father, I just hope and pray. Well, hope and pray is not faith, right? And you got to activate it. So, so what we got to realize is this must change now. I must change this now. I take responsibility. I'm not going to put my blame on the economy or life conditions or my blame on family or people. I must change this now. It starts with me. And then thirdly, 
I can. What is that? Can is kicking the, the T out of can't, right? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So whatever that thing is that you said must change, I can. What? I can change this now through Christ who strengthens me. So that's the belief. What is a belief? A belief is the feeling of certainty I have about something and it's truth. So it's really what I feel. It starts with my emotions and what I feel is certain about what something means. And now, the, what's the second thing I taught you, we've been teaching you, and that is, if you're going to activate this, it, it, it starts in Romans 12 too. Be you not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the what? Renewing of your mind to do what? Prove what is God's good, acceptable, and perfect will. Now, I gave you three steps to close the gap on that. Mark got to do the fun part, my big stack of bricks I had. I didn't get to do, I didn't get to it, so he had a, had a good time with you. But if I want to really bring action to those words of my belief and what I truly believe God's word says about things and what I need to happen concerning those things if I truly believe it then I got to put action to it because faith without works is what as a matter of fact it's not only dead if it's dead it's not alive that means it's not faith right so faith without works is dead and so what I got, I gave you three steps now to close the gap. What is it? It's really three steps to activate the faith that you know what you can do through Christ. And what the first one is, I got to get leverage. I got to get leverage. I, I got to know the why behind it, man. I got to know what God said about it, what it's going to do for him, what it's going to do for our world and for others, and what it's going to do for me and how I can grow and be transformed in him. The second thing that, that, that get, closes the gap is I got to identify and destroy old patterns of thinking. That, that stuff you beating yourself up all the time. That stuff you get up. How many of y'all got up in the morning before you put your feet on the floor? Just some kind of, it could be something from 20 years ago. Just, it's weird. Like some negative thought just went across your mind. Anybody? Okay, now all the people's truthful tell me. How many? Just wave at me real big, real big. Yeah, yeah. I did. I told Steph this morning. We were, I was like, man, I, before I put my feet on the ground, I had this something, I don't even know, something happened years ago. Just this negative. I was like, I, I, I cast that thought down. Hey, man, I don't receive that. I'm not focusing my mind on that thought. I'm focusing my mind on greater is he who is in me. Not, not this thing over here that happened 20 years ago that's trying to get in my head. I don't have time for that because I got to flow in the faith that God put me on this earth for I got to flow in the authority and the power God put me on this earth for. So I got to focus on where I want that flow to go. So, so I, had to, I had to deal with that. The third thing that helps you close the gap. Now, once you break those old patterns of thinking, what you do, you establish a new way of thinking, a new empowered way of thinking. You find out what the Word of God says about it, and you start putting that Scripture out there, and then you start speaking it, you start transforming your mind, you start believing and operating in the image of Christ. Now, last week, I kicked off the opening of the message I'm going to preach today, but I'm going to get more scriptural in it. But here's the key. I talked to you last week about raising the standard, raising your standards. You see, what we got to realize is that the quality of your life is based on the standards you have. Your standards come from your belief system. Your standards come from your core values, what is real to you. You know, some of you don't, 
smoke and jump rope because that's a standard you have. Some of you, you know, you, you, you're not out here, you know, being evil Knievel trying to jump the Grand Canyon because the standard to you is take care of your life and live healthy and strong, right? We all have standards. Some of you, I got to pray first thing in the morning. I got I to keep myself focused on God, which is a very good one, right? What is, that's a standard for you. And what happens is a lot of us think we have standards. We're spiritual, but we haven't been doing any spiritual focus or flow or anointing or communicating with God about it. We haven't been applying our spiritual strength to our situation to the things that matter. So what happens is, how do I know what kind of standards I have? Well, if I want to look at my health, then I can look at myself. If whatever, if you know, if I'm uh, way out of proportion of what I need to be, then that's not bad. That's the standard I have. It's really okay. Whatever standard of appearance you want, how you dress, that's your standard. You say, if I had a bunch more money, well, there's ways to get deals. You know, it's your standard, right? What, what I, if your standard is, is, is just uh, make sure I got enough money to pay the bills at the end of the month, that's what your standard is. Well, no, my, my, no, no, no. You, you could say that's a want to, but it's not a reality. A reality is whatever the conditions in my life are, not based on what other people do or say, but based on my actions, that's, that's the standard I have. So I've been challenging you in your spiritual walk with God, your family, your relationships, your health, your finances, to take the next step. Identify the target, what you're going for, what's a must for you. You know, if you just want to live long enough, you know, to see your kids get married, then after that it's all gravy. Well, gravy might kill you sooner than you think. And if it's, a, you know, if it's just I want to live till I'm 60 or 70 until I retire, well, you, you probably do that. If I'm just going to put away enough money to kind of get me through so I can draw my Social Security, well, then that's your standard. So, so the key is you, God, made you a decision. You, the greatest gift you have from God is you can have the power of choice. So whatever decision you make about a matter, and the word decision in Latin means incision. When it's inside of you, what's inside of you is where the power comes from because God's Holy Spirit, His Word is in you. And as Christians, you have an unfair advantage. So I've been challenging, I started last week challenging about raising the standard of your life. Now when I ask you about raising the standard of your life, what I do, I, I challenge you uh, with four questions. And we're not going to do it today, but we went through this, took about 10 minutes. And these four questions can help you determine what your standards are and, and really what you what really want. Because no matter what I think my standard is, I got to know what I really want. One man is rich if he's got $10,000 saved in a bank. One man is rich if he's got a million dollars saved in the bank. Another man is rich if he's got a hundred million dollars saved in the bank. Another man, according to what they think financial wealth is. Now we know wealth or being rich is not about how much money you have or don't have. But every one of you define what wealth is for you. One man is like, man, I'm wealthy if my kids love me and my wife loves me, then, then that's wealth. You see, because what we learn is success is a science. You can do science and make money and accumulate stuff. But, but really, what's important is fulfillment, and fulfillment's an art. And it's each one of us as individual. So some people feel wealthy. They got a certain amount of money put away. But the main thing is they feel wealthy like me with my family, with my relationships, with people I love, with, with the love of God in my life, and what I can contribute to others. But here's the key. Wherever you're at right now spiritually, that's the standard you have. 
That's what you're living. Whoever you are in your relationship with friends and family, that's your standard. Whoever you are in your relationship with God, that's your standard. Wherever you are in your finances, that's your standard. So, so here's what I want to challenge you with. If we want to close the gap, we got to know what we believe, right? We got to, we got to know how to get leverage and how to empower and to do that. But we really got to know what mark I'm going for. What, what is it? What, not what would be, well, you know, I used the illustration last week. If I had $10 million and you knew I had $10 million in the bank and you come up to me and said, I need some, oh, I need money, Pastor. I'm just going to buy them. Oh God, I just, well, what do you need? I need more money. Boy, I need more money. I just need more money for stuff, for life and for family. I just need more money. Okay, honey, here, here. And I pull out, you know, a big old row of $1,000 bills. And I dig down there and you go, oh, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you. And then I pull one out and I give it to you. And you look and you go, Pastor, this is $1. Look at all those thousands you got in that big wad. You just gave me $1 bill. Well, you didn't say you wanted 1000 or 10000 or 100000 You said you wanted more. You got $1 more than what you had when you came and asked me for more money. Well, I just want to be healthier. Okay, maybe you'll be a little bit healthier. Do you want to be whole and, and set free? And well, I just, I, just, I just want to break this addiction and, and that's good. Maybe you break an addiction with drugs and alcohol, but you got an addiction of envy, strife, and anger. Or maybe you got an addiction with pornography. I don't know. What, what about setting a purpose of what you really want? Because what I really want out of certain things won't always be what you want, and what you want won't be what I want. Now, here's the thing about standards. I'm gonna get into the life of David and Saul here in a minute. Every one of us, we've been, we, we live by a blueprint, right? We live by, we all have a certain amount of limited belief, a limited amount of faith. Now, God's faith is unlimited, but we live by a limited amount of faith. And, and the goal is to keep expanding that faith, but I gotta have a target to expand that faith with, right? And so when we're raised, we see things modeled in our life, how people handle their sexual lives, how people handle marriages, how siblings handle relationships with one another, how people handle their money, how people handle their walk with God and how church was, if you were in church when you grew up and all that stuff. So you've come today to be the sum total of every decision you made about what you know about, right? Now, what we do in life as we get older, we find ways to get different people to model for us, different things. Obviously, the Word of God and Jesus and, and, and people you work with or people you read about in college or study or whatever. So, so what happens is if you want to raise your standard, you got to find the right people to model or the right one to model from. you got to find different ways. Now, you can be around the right people to model. You can be in the right thing and be serving Jesus. You can be doing a lot of good things, but the main transformation to get you what you really want, right? Well, I really want me a man that's going to love me. I want me a man that's going to provide for me. I want me a man that's not going to cheat and sleep around on me. I want a man that's not going to beat me. I want a man that's going to love my babies. I want a man that's going to financially provide for us and protect us. I want a man that loves me more than any woman on this earth. Okay, girl, that's great. God said, yes, girl, that's a good prayer. Okay, let's come in again. Okay, Lord, okay, yes, Lord, that's what I want. I'm writing it all down. Okay, girls, let's go. Where are you going? We're going to the club. We're going to find us a man. I mean, you know, you might find a man like that in the club, but he might not be there yet. 
you know, you, you, you got a certain standard. You, you think you want this standard, but you're not even close to that standard. So how are you going to get that standard? How are you going to get a 10 plus when you're about a three? And you're going out to other threes, maybe a two or a one to find that 10. Come on now. You know, preacher telling you the truth. Same way with the guys. Ooh, I want a woman like my mom. I want a woman that's going to love me and raise my kid. Ooh, who was that? Anybody know her name? Well, you didn't see nothing but the backside. Yeah, you ain't seen her face. Yeah, you want to know her name. Got my eyes on you, man. I know what you do. What's your standard? Is that your standard? Well, I'll just start with that, preacher. You know, it may end up not, 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 not. no. And then you know what you do? You, you guys, you blame it on all those women, those crazy women. My God, I was so good to them. They took my money. They took my love. They took my time. They took, you hunted it down and threw it in the lap. Because you had no standard. You, you, you see, you got to know where to look if you're going hunting. Well, Jesus said, just bring him to me. Well, you know, you've heard that story, right? About, about the guy going to heaven and met Peter. He drowned it in a big flood. And he goes to, to heaven to, and St. Peter's waiting on him. And, and he says, well, oh, Peter, it's a big storm. But why, why are you here, brother? What's you, you, oh, I just need to enter heaven. I died. Oh, you did. Just died today. You did. What happened? Big old flood. Oh, my God. It's a disaster. I flood. Okay. Okay. And Peter says, okay. And he said, but Peter, I have a question before we go in. Okay. What's your question? Why didn't God deliver me from, from that flood? What do you mean why didn't God deliver you from that Oh, Peter, it's awful. It's awful. Yeah, the water came. I had to get up on my furniture. And the water kept coming. And I had to get up. And what happened when the water got up on your furniture? Well, you know, this truck drove by big high wheels. and said, hey, we can help you. You want to come on? But I prayed that God would save me from this flood. So I wasn't getting in no truck and lowering my faith, okay? And then what happened? Well, Peter, you know, then man, I had to get up. I had to get up on the high furniture. I mean, it was running up in my windows. He did, he did. What happened then? Well, then this boat come by. And this boat come by with lights and this. Searching through my, hey, come on, sir. No, no, God's going to hit. God's going to, He's going to save me from this flood. I, I, I'm, the, I'm dependent on the Lord. Why, hanging on to that? I'm dependent. Okay, see you, baby. We got other people say, hey, what happened? He said, then what happened? He said, man, I had to knock a hole through the roof and I had to climb out and I'm hanging on the chimney. And he, Peter said, well, then what happened? Well, then this helicopter kept buzzing over these lights and dropped this ladder down and this guy climbed, come on, get on. No, the Lord will deliver me. And I was waiting on you, Peter. I was waiting on the Lord. He said, well, what do you think happened? He said, my God, he sent a truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What else has he got to do for you? At least you got heaven. What, what? He set a standard he wasn't living. So when you get a must for those things you're believing for in your life, whether it's your career, your finances, your health, whatever, your ministry, you gotta have a standard. You gotta set a standard. Now, I wanna talk to you a few minutes today about, about raising a standard. And as I talk to you about it, um, I want you to realize the first thing you gotta understand is not only do you have to choose your, you have to, first thing you gotta do is make a decision. What is your standard? Now, those four questions I gave you last week what do, you, what do you love? What do you hate? What are you passionate about? 
And then what do you really want? When you start taking time in those questions, what you love and what you hate, will get, you'll find your passion, right? Your passion about things you gotta change, your passion about things you wanna do. And then, and then you'll, you'll discover the passion and then you'll be able to discover what I really want, what I really want, what standard I really want in my life. And, and so what I wanna talk about today is a contrast between two kings. And, and, and as we look at it, and the contrast between the life of David and the life of Saul. Now, they both did what? They both reigned over the kingdom of God, what, for 40 years. For 40 years, they were both kings. And Saul was chosen by the people. They wanted to be like the other nations around them and not have the judges that Samuel running the nation for them spiritually. They wanted a king. And so they kept crying out to God, I want, we want a king and complaining to Samuel. God said, okay, I'll give him a king. And they pick, he picked Saul, the handsome, tallest, most prophetic one of the bunch. He could prophesy. He was wealthy, from a wealthy family and seemed to be a good man, picked him. And over time, they began to see the real heart of Saul. You see, even Saul wasn't for the stand, he wasn't ready for the promotion. He wasn't ready for the standard. And what Saul did he began to betray God. He began to do his own thing. He would do the things God wanted him to do and sacrifice and worship him to a point and obey him to a point until it conflicted with the conditions around him. You know, like that time when Samuel said, uh, you know, don't start any battle till I get there because he anoints it and prays over the people and they go to battle. Well, Samuel, it was a day later than what Saul thought he should be there. He went on, formed his troops, went out, did a quick sacrifice and went on, on his own, went out and won a big battle. But the problem with that was when Samuel came, he chewed him out. He's like, what are you doing, Saul? What are you, well, you know, you were running behind. I didn't know if you'd be two or three days late and the men were getting antsy. The natives were getting restless, right? The men were getting antsy. And then they were like, when are we going to go? We're ready to fight. And you weren't here. What did he do? God said, you'll never lose a battle as long as you obey me, Saul. You'll win every battle. And he'd been winning a lot of battles. And all he had to do, Samuel was the voice that God used then. Now we have the Holy Spirit, but Samuel was the voice that spoke, that God spoke to him mainly. The Spirit of God could come on him, but that's the one that spoke to him mainly, the prophet, prophet Samuel. And, and he, and he's, so what did he do? He allowed what he was concerned the people he was leading were getting antsy and nervous about determine whether he was going to do what he knew God had said do or give in and go on and please the people. Same way with you. You, you can't be your son or daughter's best little buddy, buddy little bookaroo. God didn't give him to you to be their buddy. God gave them to be their spiritual leader, their physical, natural leader, their parents, their mother, and their father. You're not their buddy. Now, you can be friends with them, but that's down on the totem pole. As a matter of fact, the ones that I seen were big buddies with their family, and then they got into a messed up life. Then they offended with their mom or their dad their whole life and never get it right, usually. But the ones that's tough on their kids, even if they're a little tougher than they think because they're honest, they love them, and they're good to them, but they're, they're firm with them. Even though they might get mad and, you know, pout at mommy or daddy for a few years, they always come, thank you, mama, my God, thank you for just being, if I, I, I've been like my friends over there in jail. I, yep. What are you saying, preacher? What's your standard? Yes. Is God, so it's good to get in alignment with God's standard and that'll really help you. Yes. And just do what his standard is and apply that to your family. So, so here he is. He's letting another situation Samuel got into and, and he was uh, supposed to go win another big battle and, 
and uh, he was supposed to kill everything, everyone, all this stuff. And there was a whole backstory behind that. And when Samuel gets there, he, he killed all the other people, but he didn't kill the, high, the king and some of his high-ranking family. And he killed the animals, but he killed the bad ones. He kept the good animals and all the wealth and the sheep that were healthy and strong. And, and, and Samuel's like, so Saul, how'd it go? Oh, it went great. We did everything we needed to do. Look at us, man. We won this. We, we cleaned them out. We, we, okay, okay, good. Saul's over like, don't you take that out in the woods. What's that? What, what, what's that, Saul? What is it? That's a sick sheep probably right there. Probably wasn't one of the healthy ones. That's, that's a bad, bad. I guess that's better. Bad, bad, healthy, sick. 50-50, right? So, so what is it? What, what, do I hear sheep bleeding out? Is the Bible said bleeding out in my ears? Oh, yeah, but he already had his story ready. But you know, we, we did everything the Lord said. No, you're supposed to kill all the animals. Sacrifice. Yeah, but we sacrificed a lot of them. We got some of them. And, and, and you know, the, the men that fought the battle, I just wanted to reward them. And they're taking the healthy sheep and the healthy animals. And, and he's like, well, what, what's this king doing here? You're supposed to take care of that king. Well, you know, we just thought it'd be a trophy lot to show the people that we won this battle. And, and, and we're greater than that nation. And he said... Saul, you're done. The Lord said, if you didn't do this, you're no longer his king. What? Um, But Saul, but look, no, no. He took Saul's sword and killed the king and left. And from that point on, they never were together in public again. Now, why? You say, that's kind of tough. God had a standard for his king. God's got a standard for his people his sons and daughters, his royal family. And he had a standard. Now, as you know the story probably, David, here little David is, right? And little David is a, a little shepherd boy. And he's living out there with his parents, with Jesse and the whole family. And, and they got a thriving little farm and he's the youngest and he's out taking care of all the sheep. And then we see, when we see this, because Saul, da, uh, uh, um, J- uh, Samuel told Saul, he said, rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. So it's better to obey than to sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. What's he mean? Obedience is better than sacrifice. God didn't ask you to sacrifice. He asked you to obey, right? It's what he wants, when he wants it, the way he wants it's not, it's, not, it's not the way we, it's not, well, Lord, look at me. I've served you for 30 years and look what a predicament I'm in. He's not interested. Nobody knows what it costs to be you, but you, right? So what is it? If I'm more concerned on my sacrifice I do for people rather than my obedience to do what I know I should do, then I'm not taking responsibility for what my obedient action should have been. And if there's a messy situation, what do I do? I blame it on someone or something else instead of taking responsibility. And God can't move in your life if you don't repent and take responsibility. Obedience is better than what? Works, giving, or anything. Obedience first. Obedience first. Second. If not, you get into what? Witchcraft. And then you're all confused and messed up. And this one hurts you and that one hurts you. And everybody hurts me. And oh, I'm hurt, hurt, hurt. And so what is that? It's a reality. It's a spiritual principle that operates in every area 
of your life. Now let's look at David in contrast. I love what God said about David, Acts 13. This is the first scripture that I read when I gave my life to Christ. I just turned 21. I was sitting in my mom's kitchen after that and after church that night and I was just going through the Bible, just flipping like I'm supposed to read this Bible. I don't know where they said read John and I was looking for John and I landed on Acts. And I looked at Acts and it said this, Acts 13 verses 21 through 23. It said, then the people asked for a king and he gave them Saul, son of Kish of the tribe of Benjamin, who ruled 40 years. After removing Saul, he made David their king. Now look, God testified concerning David. I have found David, the son of Jesse. That means God didn't necessarily have his mind made up. He said, I found David. Huh, I'm just saying. I have found David, son of Jesse. What? A man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do, or I ask him to do. And from this man's descendants, God has brought to Israel the Savior, Jesus, as he has promised. Now, that, I didn't read that last little verse 23, but that verse 22 I read, and it said that he testified of him, that he found him as a man after God's own heart. And I, right then, the Holy Spirit, I just, little Nazareth, just got saved in a beautiful little Nazarene church, and didn't know anything about the Baptist Holy Spirit or nothing, and I wasn't baptized Holy Spirit right then, but the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and that's the first time I heard God's voice. And when I heard his voice, he said, that's you. You are a man after my own heart. Well, I didn't feel like it. I totaled three cars, parted out of two colleges and was pretty much a failure in my life. I didn't feel like a man after God's own heart. I'm like, God, I just got saved. I didn't say, I just got saved, Lord. Man, it's like I just started crying and the presence of God came all over me. And I've always relied on that. Every time stuff comes, it's bigger than me and stuff that people say, how do y'all survive? How do you deal with it? I just like, I go back to that. I said, no matter, I can't control the conditions. I, I'm called to love people. If people don't want to love me, that's their business. I'm called to be nice to people. If they don't want to be nice to me, that's their business. Now I got to deal with it and repent sometimes. I get upset like you. But ultimately I just come back to, I cannot control the conditions for my standard. My standard is to be a man after God's own heart. And if I'm going to be a man after God's own heart, then I need to know what God's heart is. And the more I find out about God's heart, the more I find out I don't really have an opinion that much anyway. Dead people don't have an opinion. If you're dead in Christ, you're right. If you're dead and alive in Christ, you don't, dead men don't have opinions, right? They're dead. And so the more, I, the more maturity is, it's not the more I know, it's the more I die. Because then I find out what the standards of eternity are that mean something. Not what people tell me the way I should look and what I should have in the bank and how I should handle my family. No, you, you get wisdom and you get all that knowledge you can get, but you got to know the Father's heart. And that's something I always sought to do is to seek the Father's heart. And that gave me, I didn't even understand it, but it gave me certain standards in my life. People can do certain things as Christians and I guess it's not sin to them, but to me it is, I can't, right? I can't do certain things that some Christians can do and feel comfortable with. That's between them and God and the Word. I'm going to love them anyway, right? So, so I have to know what my standards are. And I blow it. I'm not perfect. I'll disappoint you. Stay around me for a little while. I'm, I'll, I'll, I'll kill the myth. Um, don't worry. And that, you know what? I'm okay with that because I learned from it. And God keeps me humble. Now, what I want you to understand is you got the choice of either seeking God and want to do his heart, or you can be like Saul in 1 Chronicles 10, 13. So Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke 
faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the command of the Lord. And also he consulted a medium, a witch seeking guidance. Now here's the difference. How much time I have here? Because I got to get into the three essentials. Here's the difference. He saw the medium. Say, well, you know, Saul sounded like he's a little confused on the commands of the Lord because Saul wasn't focused on what God wanted. He was focused on, if I could please those people, I'll get everything I want. God didn't call you to be a people pleaser. He called you to be a daddy pleaser, a God pleaser. So what we do, we take this blueprint. See, God put that in my blueprint as soon as I gave my life to him. Just thank you, Lord. He put that blueprint. That's part of my new life that he gave me. I still working through my old life then, you know, but he gave me that. And I knew that was a standard that I couldn't let up on. I had to some way find a way. And there's times I miss it and have to repent and get back into it. Yeah. And so what is that? What I had to do was do that. And, and what I realized is I couldn't make excuses because of the conditions around me. If God asked me to do something and I did it with the right heart and out of peace and, and people didn't like it, then I had to accept that, love them and pray for them because what? I can't let the conditions of what other people's blueprint tells them and what they think override what God said and what I know God said. Now I can love them just the way they are, not the way I think they should be. See, see the reason you get stressed and depressed is because you're trying to make the world's conditions people's conditions, the economy and the political environment, all those conditions line up the way, not, not the way they should be, but the way you think they should be. Then you got certainty, you're happy. But the moments, how does somebody disappoint you? Well, they didn't do what you thought you'd agree they'd do, or they didn't do what you think they should do, but maybe they think something totally different than you think about what they should do, but you got a problem because you put your happiness in the fact, do they meet my conditions? See, I, I don't live my life like that anymore. I realize I love people and, and, and it doesn't matter if it's staff or people or whatever, because guess what? You know what? Anybody can... can, can can do things that hurt you and all that, and you just love them and pray and go on. What are you saying, preacher? What am I saying? Don't allow your conditions to determine your joy. Don't allow your conditions to determine your progress because progress comes from, happiness comes from progress. So you love people and you go with that. What? That's something David learned early. David was there to please God. He wasn't there to please people. Whenever Samuel came and called David, and remember he came and Samuel was out there and he called... Uh, 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 oh, okay. Let, let me give you the three essentials. Because if I don't, I'll miss them. If I want to set a standard, Davis shows us three essentials that it takes. The first essential is simply this, your identity. You got to know who you are. Your identity. You got to know who you are. Now, I'm not going to read all the scripture because if I do, I won't have time. But in 1 Samuel, you read it when you get home, chapter 17, verses 32 through 37. And... And whenever, it's whenever David came up, what'd he do? He came up to the front line. Now, now, previous to this, God had already sent Samuel to find David and he prayed for all the sons in Jesse's house, but none of them were it. And he said, Jesse, do you have another son? None, God said, none of these are it. He said, well, I got my youngest one. He's out there taking care of the sheep. Samuel said, I'm not sitting down, send for him. And they waited until they went out in the field and found him and brought him in. And, and when they brought him in, what happened? 
He brought him in and God said, that's him. And it says he was handsome and had that red hair and handsome and, and, and smart and all that. And he laid hands on him in front of his whole family and anointed him. Now, look, a new walk just happened. He loved his family and honored his family. He's honoring his dad with his sheep. Now, a little later, they said uh, they heard about some of the strength and the courage that David had. And Saul was going into these depression modes because he had turned on God. And he's going into these depression modes and throwing spears at people and wrecking the place. And they said, but they noticed whenever somebody could play a harp skillfully, it would bring him peace. And one of his servants, while he's dodging a javelin, he said, wait, Saul, King Saul, what, what? Said, I know of a person that's perfect for this that could take care of that and, and take care of that, that anger you got. Now, he could help you. Who is it? He said, it's a little boy named David out there, Jesse's son. I hear he's a mighty warrior and a great man and, and he is attractive and very skillful with song and with harp. Go get him. So here he comes, gets him, and he would come periodically and play for Saul and peace would come. If you ever see the Rembrandt printing, go, go check it out. It's really cool how it's got him sitting there and David playing a harp for him. And then David would go home, take care of the sheep. Now, while David was taking care of the sheep, different things happened, right? He killed the bear that was trying to kill his father's sheep with his hands. He killed a lion with his hands. He was faithful to take care of the sheep. And then what happened? One day his daddy called him out. Hey, the Philistines are lined up. Our boys have been out there. Our sons have been out there for days and they need some food. Take some lunch to your brothers. Okay. David goes up there. Well, David's a little bit confident, a little bit arrogant because he's anointed of God. He knows who he is. You know, so I get a little arrogant when you know who you are because you know whose you are, right? And so he's bebopping up there and he hears this giant cursing the God he's in covenant with that anointed him, that gave him strength and blessing. And he's running his mouth. What's going on? And his brother's like, shut up, Davey, be quiet. He, he not gonna, and that giant's out there, come on out, whoever wants to fight. And nobody would fight him. They were, even Saul was afraid. And then Saul heard that David's up there like, hey, there's this one guy I said, he'd do it, he'd do it, he'd do it. And Saul said, okay, go get him. And sure enough, when he got up there, it was that little guy that plays harp for him. And he said, okay, David, what's up? Well, king, I'm sick of this guy coming against the covenant of God, cursing our God, cursing our nation, cursing you, O king, cursing everybody. Well, what do you want to do about it, David? I want to go kill him. I want to take care of it right now. David, he's a giant. You're like a little ruddy guy. He's a giant. You're, you're young and a novice in war. He's a giant. You, you, you don't, what do you mean? You don't even have armor, David. He's got armor made by the best. I, I'm fine. No, no, no. See, David had a standard. His standard was going to trump anything the enemy had. And he knew it. His standard was, I'm in covenant with God. God's responsible to fight. If I'm going to fight for God, he's going to have to fight with me. And if he fights with me, I ain't losing. I might lose a fight, but I ain't losing the battle. And so what do he do? Saul tried to get him to put his arm, eyes, ah, that don't fit. I'm fine. He had his three smooth stones and his slingshot. He goes out, first one, kills the giant, cuts his head off. Wow, why? Not because he was all of a sudden empowered, but because he knew who he was. He knew his identity in Christ, in God. And he knew the standard that God had. He knew the Father's heart that God didn't like people cursing him. He wanted that giant dead, praise God. And David says, the rest of you big boys are going to do it. I pass you up in the mill line. I go do it myself. And he did. Now look, the second thing that happened, the second essential to raising our standard is clarity. Essential number two is clarity. Not only do you know, need to know who you are, but you need to know what you really want. What do you really want? 
Well, I just want to be famous. Well, you can be Al Capone and in jail. You can be famous a lot of different ways. Right? I just want to be married. Yeah, I've seen people do that multiple times, and they got married all right, and married, and, mar- and they're still trying to get married. You better decide what you want to marry. <laughs> and it probably begins with you, because you're probably not attracting what you want because you haven't raised your standard to attract what you want. Anyway, so getting ready for marriage conference, so I'm getting ready. So, yeah. So, so look at in 1 Samuel 17, verse 26, David asked the men standing around him before he went out and killed the giant. He said, uh, he said, hey, what will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised? See, he knew he was. This guy wasn't in covenant. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of God? What? See, David already closed the gap. David already knew, uh, he already knew that he was loved by God. He, he, he already knew what he loved, he knew what he hated, he knew what he was passionate about, and he knew who he was. So now he's ready. And, and he asked, and then one of the men said this, uh, said, the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt him from his family from taxes in Israel. Wow, that's a pretty good deal. David's thinking, I was going to do it anyway just because I'm in covenant with God. But shoot, you want to give me that? Yeah, come on, Lord, bless me. Press down, shake it and run it over, shall kings give into my bosom. Amen? And so he did it, right? And here's some other things, though. When he decided what he loved, what he hated, what he was passionate about and what he really wanted, and when God chose him to be the king, the up-and-coming king, he already knew he was anointed to be king, but he wanted to serve the king so he could model and learn and help the king live out his life and do whatever God. He thought, well, this is God get me to where I want. My outcome is to do what God wants. And that, he said, I'm going to be the king of Israel after Saul, right? So, so, so he didn't realize that God had already demoted Saul, but he's like, okay. So he thought, well, okay, I kill the giant. Okay, I do my covenant. That's what I am. Okay, well, I get to marry his daughter. That means I'm in the king's family. I'm in line. Oh, I get to have the kids I wanted and the finances I want. Pretty good deal, right? So when he knew who he was, then he found out what? Essential number two, he got clarity. When you know the outcome you want, then you can figure out all these tributaries that's leading you around to get you to where you want to be. You, you always say, well, Lord, if it be your will. If you knew what you wanted, you'd know if it's his will or not. Is it getting you to the outcome that God put in your heart to have or not? If you don't know, you don't know. Well, is it God's will? Is it God's will? And somebody will tell you what they think, but it might not be Right? So if you don't know the outcome you want, I mean, I had a very distinct prayer about the spouse I was praying for, and so did Steph. I had three key things that were outlined that I was believing for. And I mean, at this time, I'm 28. My family's like, come on, dude, you're 28. I don't care. I got these three things I'm praying about and that I'm believing for, you know? And she had things that I matched and she matched. That helped us. We didn't tell each other that, but as we got really serious, we kind of told each other. And it's pretty cool to see how our standards were then we knew this is, this is going to work before we ever walk down the aisle, right? So it's the same thing in anything in your life. How are you going to know if it's God or not if you don't know what your outcome is? Just be another rabbit trail for your life and take another circle, right? Now look at this. Let me give you the third one. We'll pray. The third, the third essential is progress. Progress. What's that? Never stop moving. Never stop moving. 
We see that in 2 Samuel 11, verses 1 through 4. And it said, in the spring at that time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army, and they destroyed all the Amorites, besieged Rabbah and all that. David, but David, remained in Jerusalem one evening. He was out on his roof. When he got from his bed, he walked down his roof of the palace, and from the roof he saw a woman bathing, and the woman was very beautiful, and David sent someone to find out about her, and the man said, she is Bathsheba, Bathsheba, and the daughter of Elam, and the wife of Uriah the Hittite. And then David sent messengers to get her, and she came to him, and he slept with her, and you know that she was pregnant, and that he sent his husband out to the front line to be killed so they could continue their affair. Now, how do we know that David now, he's got these first two, and he's living them, right? He's living them. He's, he knows who he is. He knows what he wants, what he wants, his outcome, and he's having progress. He'd been winning all these battles. He had brought the kingdom back together. He had wiped out, you know, took care of the Philistines and all these people and, and had brought the north and southern kingdom together. He had honored Saul's only son, Mephibosheth, that's living. And he had these palaces all over the place. He was the king of kings, right? And he was God's king. And it just seemed like anything he touched turned to gold. But you know what he did? He got off focus. And verse one, it said, what? when kings went out, to battle, David sent Joab. What do you do? He stopped progressing because his position meant he was supposed to go out to battle. If he had been where he was supposed to be in the progression line, he would have never seen Bathsheba bathing. See, listen, let me have some. Remember the definition of momentum, right? Momentum is anything that moves forward with energy, a ball, anything. Human momentum is anything that moves forward with emotion. So the only way you're going to be happy is to have progress in your life and, and, to, and to be pleasing to God, to, be, to know his heart and to, serve, and, and to walk with progress. And David was just killing it, man, home run after home run. After, and then just one time, didn't say he stayed home five battles or 25, one battle he stayed home. And he had to go through hell for the rest of his kingdom. Now, the thing he did that Saul didn't do, Saul didn't repent. Said he's sorry. Sorry is not repentance. Repentance changed your mind, your direction, your behavior. David said to the prophet Nathan, I'd kill the man that did that. He said, that's you, David. He said, so be it. He said, no, the Lord is going to do this and this, but you always have that as a reproach. You see, God will forgive you of these kinds of sins, but some sins you commit bring the reproach. What is the reproach? Not a reproach with God. God forgives and forgets, but people don't. The reproach is people remember. And that's what brings the heartache. And so from that, we see that when he got out of the loop of progress, he got stagnant, and that's what got his focus. You know, when you got up here and you, you, you got a 100,000 men going into battle, you don't have time to look to the left or right or down over the roof, right? You focus on what's at hand. Guys, that's how you get your little self in trouble. Well, she, she's just not like she used to be. Well, maybe you're not like you used to be. She just don't look the way she did when we got married 15 years ago. Maybe you don't look the way you did. She just don't have the energy. Well, she didn't have three of your babies then. Well, you know, he just don't, you know, he's just always wore out when he comes home. And well, well, you know, he's working to provide and to bring an income for you and them babies. Yeah, but he just don't seem as happy and as fun as he used to be. Yeah, because he's got stress called work, that four-letter word, W-O-R-K. 
And usually both of you are working, husband and wife. What are you saying? You set your standard of what that marriage is, what that relationship is, what the standards establish a boundary. And you don't let anyone or anything get in that boundary but God. God is the only one that can broaden or change or shrink a boundary, not people. People are goofy. Just telling you, they're all goofy. I'm goofy, you're goofy, we're goofy. But God's not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if you want to be happy, you've got to have progress. But you've got to have progress in the right thing because you're going to have momentum in your life through good decisions or bad decisions. You're the sum total today of every decision you ever made. This is your standard. Yeah, but the economy, that's an old story. It's over. Economy's good now. Yeah, but I was younger then. So what? God's the same. He can give you youth. He can give you whatever. If you take care of yourself, if you take a step. He can. Now you're smarter and you're more mature. You know what didn't work, what did work. You can get to the matter quick and solve it quicker now. It's not going to take you 20 years now. You've done it for 20 years. It might take you two years now to get what, more than what you had before if you'll focus. See, key is what do you really want? You see, here's the difference between Saul, the bottom line, and David. They both obviously had a desire to be king and God at one point chose both of them. But here's the key. Saul wanted to be king because of the adornment that came with being the king. He wanted to be loved by the people and he wanted to be worshiped by the people. And old King Saul, he's amazing. He's not only tall and handsome and rich, but man, he just does everything for, he's amazing. He wanted the adornment of the title. David wasn't interested in the adornment. He wanted to serve the title. You see, when significance is your number one goal, I'm doing this because I should be married. I should be single. I should have a good career. I should be a minister or whatever you should be. Watch out. Because number one, you don't get to should nothing. God is the the one that settles the score. You just obey what he tells you to do. So, so what is it? When we get to that thing where I should be this place in my life, I should have this much money in the bank, where our marriage should be here. Just, just, just repent and take responsibility for wherever it's at. But you don't live with her, preacher. Well, I don't live with you either. Looks like there's two things going on at the same time. We got a marriage conference coming up. Just saying. Just saying. Another plug right there. So, so what's the deal? Until you back off and look in here, you're not going to fix anything out here. You're not going to fix anything in a church. You're not going to fix anything in a family. You're not going to fix anything in business. You're not even going to probably fix th- have the faith to fix things in your health until you take care of this. And when I take care of this and make sure it lines up with his standard, oh, great things come with positions that are great positions, but also great stress and great pressure and tough decisions, right? And a lot of work and patience. So, so be careful what you pray for. You might just get it. People say, I, I feel like I'm called to be a pastor. Well, you are, yeah, I'm anointed. I, I can prophesy, I know the word. I got a photographic memory. Everybody loves me. And that's the first sign I got about you. But anyway, everybody loves me. And it's like, oh, great, okay. Okay, what should I do, pastor? Let me tell you this. One thing, I got one advice for everyone. Even my own son told me, listen, If you can do anything else, dig ditches, pick weeds out of mulch, be a plumber, electrician, be a plumber's helper, 
be a handyman, handywoman, anything and have peace, go do it. Run, run, little sheep, run, run. Go do it, go do it, go do it. So John Osteen said, go, go, little sweetheart. Love you, little darling, love you, little darling, love you, little darling. Go on, that's Joe Osteen's dad. He's, he's like, go on, little darling, go on, go, 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 go. Because what's the truth in that? If you can do anything else and be happy, it's not your season to do what you want. Listen, single people, if you ain't happy now, you're just going to take a sad bummer into a marriage. That's all you're going to do. You got to get yourself happy before you go into any relationship. Well, I'm just looking for a better company. Well, you better get better because they might keep you 60 days and let your butt go. What is it? So everybody close your eyes and we're going to pray. What is it in your life right now? that the Holy Spirit's been showing you, especially you that's been in this series for the last five weeks, going on to six weeks. What, what is it right now that you know that, man, this is what I know I really want. Even God's confirmed it. Things that happen. Then, then you need to make sure you get that down and you need to pray God give you wisdom and you need to start finding ways to prepare yourself for it. You see, God, what man tries to do in seven years, God can do in seven minutes or a minute or seven seconds. What is it you really want? I get people to, I want this and I want that. Do you really? What do you really want? That's your outcome. That's your goal. So I'm gonna pray right now. The Holy Spirit would just drop in your hearts, man, just that as you're focusing on certain things, just the first or second step you need to take to do that. And I just, just pray it, God, just uh, stirs up in you your dreams, stirs up in you your passions right now. Father, I just thank you for everyone under the sound of my voice. I just thank you for how amazing they are, Lord, and how much you love all of us, how we're all a work under progress. Every person in here, including me, we're under construction. But the cool thing is, God, you only use people under construction. That's who you use. You're the one that finishes the product. So Holy Spirit, drop in our minds and our hearts what we're gifted, anointed to do, maybe what we need to do to make our marriage better or maybe get ourselves prepared for marriage or, or Lord, what, what we need to do with our siblings, our family, our friends, or people at work or what we need to do in our career or business or ministry, whatever it is, what we need to do in our health, what's the next steps, Lord, that we can progress in those areas and walk in happiness and true joy while fulfilling your dream on this earth in Jesus' name.